Welcome to Customer Value Cast, a podcast dedicated to helping you acquire, retain, and expand more customers by putting measurable value at the heart of your customer lifecycle. Join our host, Ross Fulton, founder and CEO of ValueWise, as he dives deep into how reoccurring revenue businesses are maximizing their growth and valuations with the industry's leading experts and pioneers. Now, here's your host, Ross Fulton. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Customer Value Cast from Evaluize, the show dedicated to putting measurable value at the heart of your customer life cycle so your business can retain and expand more customers. Today I'm joined by Chris Singh, uh, SVP and Global Head of Customer Success at Blackboard, a public company doing some fascinating work and some very important uh, verticals, which Chris, I'm sure you'll share with us in a second. Chris, I think you and I connected almost to the day about a year ago, and it's been awesome to hear and see how you've been driving an evolution of Blackboard as around outcomes and very specifically around sort of centering the customer lifecycle at Blackboard around outcomes, beginning with the concept of outcome selling and integrating that with then the delivery of outcomes and the measurement of outcomes for your customers post-sales. So that's what we're going to drill into today and your approach at Blackboard to that strategy, which I, I certainly see the majority of B2B technology enterprises certainly aspire to have as the crux of their customer lifecycle. And it's exciting to see Blackboard really bring it to life. But before we get into that, Chris, maybe share with the audience here who you are, your background, your role at Blackboard and what Blackboard uh, provides as sort of the headline value for its customers. Yeah, no, thanks a lot, Ross. And good to catch up with you again. I can't believe it's been a year. It seems like it was yesterday. Mm -hmm. And we trade in the currency of value. So we have that commonality, right, uh, where we look at uh, what we can do for value for customers. And so maybe I go quickly into Chris Singh, the person. I'm here in Canada, in Toronto specifically. I've been a Blackboard for one year. As a matter of fact, uh, it's been a couple of days ago, I, I turned one year old at Blackboard. And I moved to Blackboard for purpose. It's a very purpose-driven company. We deal in social good. So if you think of anything social good, Blackboard is at the foreground of one of the leading companies in the world on social good actually the world's largest uh, company in social good. This means that anything ESG, uh, environment, social governance, we cover. Anything with higher education, we got cover. Anything with fundraising, nonprofits, we cover. So wide spectrum of the social good, we cover most, if not all of it. And um, the beauty about this and, and why I made this decision to come to Blackpot, it's about purpose. And it's about purpose in what you do with technology and how technology can drive the human equation and, and the culture in which we live in. So that was the story in me coming at Blackboard. Prior to that, I worked at SAP for, gosh, for about 18 years, held various roles at SAP. I was head of innovation in the digital business services group. And prior to leaving SAP, I was the head of customer success management, where we put in amongst one of the largest monetized customer success anywhere in the world. I think it was crossed well over a billion euros of revenue in place. Very passionate about the customer success space, especially as it applies to customers and what are we giving in the experiential area to customers. But customers are buying things to unlock or unleash certain kinds of value. So how are we doing that? And here we are on the very topic, Ross. Awesome. That's fantastic. And I think it's such a compelling organization and scenario to be able to 
take what say you and I share as as a passion around customer value, but then link it to the mission of social good that you have in your organization. And the combination of the two is very, very compelling. As you mentioned, you've been in the organization for around a year and uh, have really sort of pioneered this evolution towards outcomes and outcome selling and outcome delivery. I'd love to sort of begin with understanding from you what was the trigger or what was the landscape looking like that you encountered that said hey well here's an opportunity to to create that evolution i guess what did what did it look like prior to the uh, the adoption of outcome selling and an outcome driven customer life cycle that you leapt at and thought you know what maybe we can actually uh, evolve this to uh, to something different yeah no if if you look and it's an industry challenge right um, people mm-hmm. were selling products and, and really focus on product selling. And then the evolution was, well, we need to sell solutions to solve problems for customers and create new opportunities. And then after solution selling, people realize we want more. We just don't want a solution, but those solutions must drive certain kinds of outcome. In the case of BlackBot specifically, if you look at, if you're fighting cancer, we don't want to sell a solution where solution speaks more to the technical attributes of what you have bought. We want to say, you're fighting cancer. How are we helping you to optimize your fight against cancer? What are we achieving in a measurable, observable, and quantifiable way? Because that's the definition of outcomes, right? It must be observable, it must be measurable, and it must be quantifiable. And how are we doing that? So once I got here, the team was already in around the area of outcome, where we doubled down on we said to our sales team, stop selling solutions and start selling outcomes. So if you're a cancer-fighting company or organization or mission or foundation, you really want to optimize certain kinds of areas of fighting cancer. What can we create as outcomes that are now quantifiable and measurable in a very tangible way at the point of sale? So if Ross comes in and Ross is trying to buy a solution, Our salespeople stop speaking in technical use business cases, and now they're speaking in outcomes. So you can buy a fundraising system that will drive fundraising by X factor. You could increase your donor management of people who are donating or giving drives by X factor. Would you like that as an outcome? We then, once a customer makes that decision on what specific outcomes they want in conjunction with our salespeople, We then lock into that outcome and make sure we relentlessly pursue that outcome throughout the life cycle of that customer. And outcomes change over time. As you achieve one outcome, it evolves into something else. And then we have to make sure that our success planning that we do from the CPQ process in which you sign a customer to hand it off to a customer success platform, that handover, previously, it was a bit fragmented. We now operationalize a method to say in the selling motion of the CPQ where where you configure price and quote to customers, capture the outcome, move that outcome from that configure price quote process, move it into a customer success platform where you can now commit it to a success plan. And we then built a whole series of assets that are geared towards realizing those outcomes. So a customer success manager can then say, these are the outcomes and here are the assets we have, we can deploy against those outcomes and plot it into a customer success plan. So that, in a nutshell, is how we evolved the thinking within the com- company. And it was more also a cultural change 
rather than just a technological one, right? You have to get mindset shifted to now focus on truly understanding what the customers are trying to achieve. So you move from almost commoditized selling to value selling also in that process because you're absolute in what you're trying to do with the customers here. Yeah, no, it's, it's very powerful stuff. So much to unpack in uh, in that great summary and, and so aligned, as you know, to what we, we live and breathe at ValueWise and have embodied through our value experience framework. And that I love the, the emphasis around the verifiability of the value of the outcome. It needs to be verifiable. It needs to be measurable. You mentioned sort of, we were greeted with more with a landscape around sort of solution selling as distinct from maybe more the modern, what we would define as that measurable outcome uh, focus from a selling and, and maybe delivery perspective, but let's focus on the on the selling point. And then you just re- concluded there with that very important statement around the cultural evolution. And I think you and I have been both in, in B2B enterprise technology for a, a long, long time and uh, seen the evolution of sales from that sort of feature function selling model where it then evolved into solution selling and spin selling and all that good stuff. And then it's sort of, it's blown up in the last few years around outcome selling. But I see a lot of organizations claim it's outcome selling, really it's just use case selling. And there's no verifiability, there's no measurability that you can link to adoption of the product tied to that measurable outcome within the selling motion. It's still just black box product will achieve this sort of mystical use case. Good, trust that? Okay, that's good. Let's just sell on that basis and off we go. So I'm curious, Chris, in terms of the evolution that was driven inside Blackboard and that mindset of sales being willing to evolve, probably yet again in their minds, into another sort of selling mindset, selling culture and selling approach to true outcome selling, how that was approached and how that, I guess, that my hearts and minds battle was was won with the sales organization. The first step begins with a conviction because everybody comes at it with a perspective of what's in it for me. If I'm an accounts executive, you want to sell because you believe in the conviction of what you're doing. But when you can solidify that conviction into something much more quantifiable to say, hey, you can increase somebody's donor drive by $100 million or $200 million over the next two years. And that person pauses because it's now quantifiable in their mind to say, well, I can do that. Rather than just using a broad statement, we can do amazing fundraising capabilities. The minute you get to that specificity for an accounts executive, it makes their job much easier to go to prospects and customers and say, your mission exactly aligns to this. And by the way, you can hold us accountable because we are doing a series of executive business review where we create this value management framework, a scorecard, if you will, that now seeks to let you know where you stand against what we're declaring as value. So that way we get out of these emotional speak and really go to an objective view on what we were able to realize together as value. And the salespeople, they, when they hear that and they hear that you replay that those back in a scorecard at the EBRs, they're more than happy because repeat business is very important in the cloud, right? Expand, uh, you know, upsell, cross-sells are so crucial that it's music to their ears when they, they hear, you know, that this. Many years ago, I, I coined a formula. It was CX, which is customer experience, plus customer outcome, plus employee experience equals customer success. Definitive for me. I look at the, that and I said, this is the definitive way of looking at it. In each one of those dimensions, we can now quantify value 
back to the customer in outcomes. So you've got this quantifiable measure on value. And on the experiential side, we have adjusted our NPS to only go after the decision makers that are customers. And then we use a customer effort score to only go after the users. So when you pair the experiential, that CX factor, to say, hey, what is the customer experience at the, the people who signs the checkoff and the people who use the solution? And both dimensions, we are capturing that. And then what we say, when you have this powerful overlay on value on top of experience, you now have a way of going far. The other thing we have changed dramatically is this listen, learn, act on the service we are doing. The act part now becomes really super important, which means we're now doubling down on if you told us something, you're getting contacted back and remediation in place. So all of that, the salespeople really thought, yeah, this is a home run. Why would we not want to do this? One really important point, if you think of value in any relationship, whether it's personal, professional, selling or not, at renewal time, it's human nature to question the value or look for discounting. As a vendor, there is harm in discounting if you go too deep. You run a business, Ross, you, you understand that there is value and value costs money for you to replay it back to customers. So you need to retain your value on what you have sold. Also, in those discussions, when you come to a very objective, honest overlay of what have you delivered, and now it's measurable, observable, and quantifiable, Usually that question is much easier rather than a subjective, well, we, you know, hey, it's a great relationship. Uh, it's a much, much different uh, discussion also. Very important point. And just goes, yeah, it goes back to that verifiability of, of the value. And it's, uh, it's exactly for that purpose in the context of what certainly we live and breathe at ValueWise in a B2B recurring revenue model. You need that verifiability to provide then that hook upon which you can lay the renewal quote and ideally, hopefully, maybe an expansion quote to your point about that sort of sequencing or journey of outcomes and say, right, here's the next outcome, but there is an expansion investment to, uh, to make to get to this now, next outcome, having achieved outcome one, two, and three. And so, Ross, can I ask you a question on that? Please, yeah. yeah. What, what light bulb went off for you in the area of value? What, what made you say, boom, I'm getting involved in this space, not only emotionally, but financially and putting your talents behind it. What was that trigger that made you say, this is where I'm going? It's twofold. I mean, there was the, the foundations of it were unknowingly laid in my mind back in 2005 through to sort of eight when I was working in a very large technology organization in London where I'm from, uh, but building out a brand new business unit inside that organization, which was uh, based on a performance-based revenue model which is still rare today, let alone back in 2000 and, uh, 2005, 2006, 7, 8. And we, we called it gain share at the time. And it's, it was on the surface very simple in terms of we simply just didn't get paid unless we delivered the gain, i.e. the value to our customer. And it was imperative that we could define and agree what that value was going to be pre-sale and then accordingly contract with it so when we went into delivery post-sale what is now maybe thought of as customer success we just were hell-bent on delivering what that agreed value was because commercially we were dependent on that value we had to deliver the value it wasn't a nice to have it was how we commercially got paid and we grew that business unit into a 250 million pound business unit based on that commercial model 
unbeknownst at the time, you look fast forward to the subscription economy and you look at pretty much every single B2B technology organization today with some sort of recurring revenue model, whether that be subscription or consumption, the concept's the same. They are on the hook to achieve their economic gain from each customer by retaining and expanding that customer. It's no longer in the acquisition deal, it's in what you do next. And what you need to do next, you need to deliver value. And it's that value to your point that you can measure it and verify, hey, that gain, that value has been created. Please renew, please expand. That's where you do succeed as a recurring revenue vendor. And so the level of pressure on the delivery and verifiability of that value back in a, in a gain share performance-based model, and this it was, would still apply to any business with that model today is extreme, but the same pressure and the same economics applies to just your, your standard subscription or consumption revenue model today. So it was that experience in London combined then with having the opportunity to work in more than one technology organization in the sort of 2010s, that transition from a perpetual licensing to a subscription-based business model and me understanding really the unit economics behind those business models and realizing, hang on, that's the same as what I was doing back in 2005 in London. And the answer is the same. It's make sure we've got defined prescriptive value that we can effectively sell and agree pre-sale and be set up to deliver and measure post-sale. That's how this works. And I was just seeing a lot of organizations that were really uh, struggling to bring that to life strategically and operationally. And that's what triggered, triggered ValueWise. Great. No, thanks. And, and you're uh, clearly this is exactly where many companies were struggling five years ago. And now, uh, if you don't do this, I honestly think uh, you will struggle to exist in three years from now. I would 100% agree. There was a, I won't name just to save blushes, but there was a, some press recently about a very sort of highly valued, very well-funded technology organization that was being sued by one of its customers on the basis of lack of value realization. That was literally the crux of a lawsuit. And so it's becoming a legal issue. I posted on LinkedIn about it. Um, and so I fully agree, Chris, with that observation. I think one of the uh, biggest challenges I still see many organizations facing when I talk to them, uh, at least initially, is the definition of the outcome, the definition of the value. I think most organizations are now very much bought into the principles of what we're describing here. But what is the outcome or what are the outcomes that we're going to prescribe and empower the sales organization to go sell through these value selling methodologies and the outcomes that then customer success post-sale are set up to deliver and measure the achievement of. It's that outcome definition that a lot of companies really struggle with. How, did, how was that approached in, uh, in Blackboard in, in terms of having that prescriptive outcome motion as opposed to saying to the sales organization, here's a blank sheet of paper in every sales cycle, go in and just make sure some outcomes kind of get made up and that we agree with them. And then we'll, we'll make do with that. How was it approached with you? So two things, one, the power of data and the power of history. So Blackboard for 40 plus years of being in existence, we have a Blackboard University team that relentlessly looks at data and permutations of data on what is industry best by vertical. So whether you're nonprofit or higher education or arts and culture, we know with specificity over the years of interrogating data, what this good looks like. Prescriptively, we can tell somebody, if you do this, this, and this, we know if you, you're in the nonprofit space, you will see the following. 
So I think leaning on data and really being around for a long time and understanding what good looks like, because the data, if you understand what to sequence from the data, you understand what good starts to look like. If you have different dimensions of higher education and you're looking at connection, parents, teacher association with schools and, and the connection in there, expansion, you know, all of those things you have, you now need to parse it with the right algorithm and intelligence. And we've been doing this for 40 years. So there are some really smart people who over the years have really, we produced this black box sustainability report that really shows you what the industry is doing and how at the aggregate level, what is happening. But within that aggregate, we also have right now the flexibility greater than any other company in this space, the power of data to give us prescriptive guidance where we can go back. So all of our outcomes are linked to what we know definitively to be true based on what the data has shown us over the 40 years or so. And then experience. Yeah, that's, that's so powerful. And I, I think, I hope that serves as, as actually inspiration to people watching or listening to this conversation, especially that come from enterprise, maybe more tenured organizations. Because certainly what I say to all the companies I talk to is that you have the answers. This is not, we don't need to make something up here. We just need to extract the answers. The answers being these definable prescriptive outcomes that you can make verifiable, you can make measurable, you can link it to the adoption and the usage of your technology. Because these companies like Blackboarders are experts in their customers and they are experts in the problems and the gains that these customers are looking to sort of solve and, and, and achieve. They're just, Cause again, just the nature of sort of the legacy business models of these of these companies, and just the the nature of the of the market over the last twenty or so years. Often the work just simply hasn't been done, as you describe it, to really get into the science of right. What is the value we create? What does that data tell us? How can we actually organize that into something that we can really wrap concrete definitions of value around that we can then measure and observe, as you say, and it's uh, it's. Think of it this way. Uh, so, sorry, Russ, but think of it this way. Sorry to interrupt no, you, but think of it this way. And you raise a very crucial point. If you know what the outcomes are and you can pair it back, not to a module, but at a business process level to say these business process combined to produce this value. And then you measure usage at the business process level. Imagine how powerful that is when you go to a customer and you say, you will never be able to realize this outcome because you're simply not consuming this, this, and this business processes, shall we enable it for you? Or you're not using it with the frequency it was meant to be used. For example, mobile and mobile capabilities. We can easily come back. So right now what we're doing is mapping our business processes, the core ones, to the outcomes, and then tracking usage relative to that. So that way we can come back and say, hey, simply not where you need to be. And then our guidance is, much more prescriptive towards you, Ross, rather than, hey, I go to anybody and, and, and get a construct that may not be applicable or real for that person. It's really applicable to your journey. Yeah, no, I think that's such a good call out. And I think, it, I mean, it goes back to certainly what we've inspired our value-based outcome methodology to define these outcomes in value-wise is just back to like jobs to be done theory. And there, there are jobs to be done, which if done well and enhanced through the usage of say technology and specific capabilities, features within a technology product will get enhanced 
and that enhancement of that job to be done will create some measurable value that will contribute to the achievement of a larger strategic goal. And it, it is, it, I think a lot of companies think, well, we need to sort of, are you asking me to go re reverse engineer or re-engineer my product? I'm like, no, no, the product's good. It's, you've got to look at it in terms of how it's mapping measurably down to that, as you say, the business process, the job to be done level. And that's back in, again, 2005, what we had to do in London. We didn't have technology or products that were, it would allow us to measure this. So we had to get down to a level of job to be done, business process analysis to say, right, this is how we're going to do this. And we need to measure it at a process level because we can't measure it in the technology. The technology didn't exist in, in 2005, but that methodology, even though, yes, the technology can do all sorts of wonderful things in terms of measuring user engagement, it's all, in my opinion, redundant. If you're not mapping that utilization measurement to business process and jobs to be done. So uh, again, I think, yeah, I think what you've driven over at Blackboard is bang on and should be yeah, inspiring for, for many other organizations that it can be done and it can be done by a 40 year old tech company that's just uh, really seen the light. The, the other thing to Ross is if you think of, if you believe in the conviction of your assets that you're bringing to bear, and if you firmly believe, which I would find it really hard for anybody in this space, in the cloud space, not to believe learning and education is a key tenement for all customers, you know, in terms of consumption, adoption, understanding value, understanding what to realize. It starts with learning and education. For the life of me, I can't understand companies who put together assets like webinars, learning, content, certification, and they don't measure how many people are consuming that, those assets, how many people are attending, how many people are certified, and not replaying that back at an EBR. Because for me, that all equates to value. You bought a car, it's a race car. You don't want to learn how to drive it, how to corner it, how to use clutching up and down and what speed you go at at certain things. But you bought a race car. It's really important that you understand the tenements of how you work that car so you can optimize the reason why you bought it. So it's really important for us to say, yeah, you are learning about the clutching. You're learning about the braking. You're learning about the steering. And we can see you doing it. So, yeah, we think you will be very equipped to drive this car. And we want you to go fast on the racetrack, right? In this case, we can go back and say, hey, your people are simply not coming to some valuable content. We have certifications. Why are they not taking it? And some of those certifications are part of your entitlement as a customer. It's part of your subscription. Uh, so when you complain that something may be complex and you're not attending these things, then these are the root cause. And all of that is value in a relationship where you can point out with, again, observable, measurable reasons why you are saying what you are saying, because you can quantify it back. I think it's really important to do that if, if you believe in your assets. Uh, 100%, 100%. I think, and I think that, I agree, I see that, that missed opportunity or gap in, again, many organizations. And I think some of, some of that has to do with what I still see is the mindset of what well, we've got education strategy, we've got sales strategies, we've got customer success strategy, we've got professional services methodologies, et cetera, et cetera. All of these need to culminate in customer outcomes as opposed to how I think it should be looked at, which is no, the outcome is over here. It's the foundation of the pyramid. Everything else comes out of that. 
all your sales methodologies, how you drive implementation methodologies, the creation of your educational content, what you define as customer health, how you measure product utilization or indeed maybe content utilization if you're talking about educational content, is driven by the definition of outcome, by the definition of value because it's that definition that then tells you here are the questions you should be asking of your educational content usage data or here are the way that you should be in driving your professional services teams to make sure that they're doing work that contributes to the customer's achievement of outcomes, not doing work that simply just allows more billable hours to be billed and a 30% gross margin to be achieved. And so place that outcome definition at the foundational level, but it's a challenging concept to arguably consume as an enterprise because I go back to the biggest gap I see, which is the lack of definition of outcome. And so you've got to go all the way back to do that really hard work first to then enable the rest of your strategy to be built off that value definition. And for companies that again are 5, 10, 15, 20, 40 years in their, uh, in their tenure, it's, well, that's a big ask for us to go all the way back to this fundamental, actually quite vulnerable place to really re-examine our definition of value for our customers. But it's what needs to be done. And it's a credit to Blackboard for being willing to do that. And really quickly, you're spot on. In the services world, we had to re-engineer our entire thinking in around mm-hmm. outcome focus rather than commoditized uh, service and, and really also follow the chain of outcome right because you implement it with an outcome in mind in a certain way. So you're, you're spot on in that, for sure. Final, I guess, question or discussion point before we start to wrap things up. I think we've, we've talked a lot about the sort of the strategy side here and almost like the organizational and cultural side of, of really centering your customer life cycle around outcomes and enabling effective outcome selling. The operational side is equally important, certainly, to what, what we do at ValueWise. And so how do we take these principles and these best practices and the theories that we're talking about here and really bring them to life as executable practices inside an enterprise? So we're thinking kind of systems and data. Curious kind of what you've seen either, and you can either talk to this at a Blackboard specific level or maybe you want to talk about it more at an industry level, whatever you feel comfortable with, in terms of how systems are being leveraged, what types of systems, feel free to name products if you like, are being used to bring this theory to life. So when we talk about, say, outcome selling, candidly, most CRMs certainly off the shelf and out by a ton of customization don't support outcome definition and agreement and selling very effectively by a sales team. You need to look at other technology. Those technologies then don't often do a great job of enabling the transition of that new customer with that set of defined outcomes into the post-sale for customer success to pick up and start delivering. And that system, I think, integration opportunity around the concept of value selling and outcome delivery and outcome selling is a is the next frontier to be solved. And I know there's certainly some interesting companies working on it right now. But what, what what's the approach been from your perspective around this concept of bringing this to life through systems and technology and data? Yeah, that's that's a big challenge. But we have, uh, you know, Gainsight has been very good for us. Uh, started with Nick. I know Nick personally, but his team. Disclaimer, I know him quite well, but the the solution has done a great job of helping us as a customer success platform. And we've been able to leverage that and integrate some of our data insight, especially at the business process level with some plugins in our four panel data and so forth. So we've got some good traction there. BlackBot has really invested in in some of the big um, top solutions, but 
I'll create a mini rant, and the rant is at the industry level. And the rant goes like this. For the life of me, you know, we speak as industry leaders, and a prominent CEO who I worked with before, I'm, I'm confronted with this problem, and he, he's trying to do something. But for the life of me, you know, you have the land, generally speaking, land, adopt, expand, renew, customer life cycle. You're telling me in my CPQ process, I have a separate application, then I need to bounce from that application to hand it over to a different customer success platform. And then the implementation team, the onboarding team need to then get a different application or a project management tool to do it. And at renewal time, you have to yet again look at some other areas where you can integrate some sort of renewal tool. I honestly think for, as an industry level, I would love to see somebody come out with, right from CPQ renewal throughout the entire life cycle of customers and, and really get there. Um, uh, Gainsight has done a lot for us and is expanding their footprint, especially getting into the webinars and knowledge content management. Uh, they recently make, made an acquisition as an example. But the end-to-end, to be quite honest, Ross, I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated overall. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'm with you. And uh, I, I always kind of reluctant ranting too often about this. I do rant very often about this, but too often because it's uh, to get your point, well, God, well, maybe value-wise should just go, or someone should go fix this rather than just ranting about it. But it's a huge, huge problem to fix. But I think I think I am seeing evolution. I, as you say, with, with Gainsight's investments, I think yeah, solutions like Ecosystems, MetaCX, they're very much trending in the right direction. And I think to your point earlier about sort of this whatever, let's say yeah, a three-year timeline where it will just be an expectation and an imperative for every technology organization enterprise to offer a very outcome-centered customer lifecycle because that's what the market will expect. That will force the technology market that serves and enables customer lifecycle operations to catch up. And whether that's achieved through vendor consolidations, product innovation, at this stage, I really don't care. I just want it to get solved because it's certainly inhibiting value-wise's ability to create the, uh, the strategies that we know work for our our clients at an operational level. So no, I'm right there, uh, right there with you. But again, I think it's the fantastic work you're doing and driving as a leader in uh, in Blackboard that's really sort of showcasing it needs to be done and, and it can be done. So it, uh, I'm sure it will be done. Chris, I really appreciate the time today. I think this is been a fantastic conversation and very very insightful and uh, again I, I think insightful yeah for sure but I think inspiring to uh, a lot of people who will listen to this who are really looking to uh, achieve what you have achieved and I know I know firsthand many organizations some of the biggest tech vendors in the world who are looking to try and do what you've done so I appreciate all you've shared for anyone that might want to connect with you and, and just sort of follow you or, or maybe reach out in the future, how can people best find you? I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Chris Singh on LinkedIn, or uh, you can hit me up at chris.singh at blackbot.com. I can easily reach you about there or on LinkedIn. Uh, I got to ask before we end, Ross, you mentioned UK. Cricket or football? <laughs> uh, football, primarily. I went to a football school, do cricket in the summer, but uh, yeah. Football, or I, I say I, I'm I, I'm in Vancouver, Canada. So soccer, as I'm slowly being conditioned to call it now. But yes, no, I still yeah, cricket's a lot of fun, and I, if nothing else, I just enjoy the 
look of confusion and bemusement from uh, my North American friends when I sort of talk to them or show them cricket and they're like, what is that? But uh, no, I have a passion for both, both sports. Awesome. Yeah, thank you, Chris. And thank you all for tuning in and listening and watching uh, this episode. And we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Likewise. Great. Nice chatting with you. Thanks a lot for this.